Hi, this is Sheldon Primus with Safety Consultant with Sheldon Primus. That's the podcast that helps you learn the business of being a safety consultant. I'm going to continue that tradition right now with Safety Consulting 101. This is the second annual Safety Consultant 101 that we're going to do. And I am going to go over everything to finding your perfect client, choosing the name that will fit and resonate with that client. We're going to learn how to write proposals. Can I have a one-on-one time for those people who would like to speak with me one-on-one and time to reflect about what we learn? Learn about partnerships and CEUs and how to use those to boost your business. Learn about event coordination, email marketing, and even instructional design. That's Safety Consulting 101. To find out more information about the event, go to viewstub.com forward slash safety consulting 101. That's viewstub.com forward slash safety consulting 101. Will your child be ready for kindergarten? At Chesterbrook Academy Preschool, the answer is yes. Our curriculum offers the perfect balance of learning and play. Our teachers personalize that experience for each child through engaging activities that develop the skills they need to be ready for what comes next. Attend a Chesterbrook Academy open house on Saturday, March 21st from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. To find a preschool near you, click the banner or visit chesterbrookacademy.com. That's chesterbrookacademy.com. This episode is powered by Safety FM. This podcast is being sponsored by safetyconsultantblueprint.com. In this episode, we're going to talk about insurance for your safety consulting business and your health insurance for yourself and your family. Do you want to be a safety consultant? Listen to Dr. Jay Allen of Safety FM give his experience after taking the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. I have actually done research on different consultants and looked at different consulting courses and so on. There is a pretty fancy, very expensive consulting course that is out there. I have actually purchased the consulting course, was interested in it. It has good information. Don't get me wrong. But you have a consulting course that really drives people onto focusing on safety and how to become a safety consultant. I will tell you on your particular course, there was better information in that particular regards than the other consulting course that was more of a generalist form. But I figured I felt like I got more information out of yours on you giving people direct path on what to do step by step. But I really think that you have a genuine good product there that can really assist people if they're interested in becoming a safety consultant. Register for the Safety Consultant Blueprint at www.safetyconsultantblueprint.com. Enter code PODCAST for a special discount. Welcome to this episode of the Safety Consultant Podcast, and this is going to be all things insurance. So we'll go over the different type of insurance that you'll probably be asked to carry in order for you to have business with not only the private sector, but the public sector. And additionally, you're going to have to think about insurance for your family too. So this is something that doesn't always come up in conversation because it's 
really personal when you think about family insurance, but not just that. Uh, you're also got to think about what's the insurance I need to cover for my business. So for me, when I first got started, I didn't have insurance yet. What I ended up doing was I got started and I just focused on training. Training was my way to get in the entrance to most of the companies I was dealing with. So I didn't necessarily needed to have insurance at that time until I started branching out my services. So I went from just training and then I started branching out into doing some service that would require me to have error and omission insurance. So that means if I made a mistake in any of the things that I prepared for a client, then they had some sort of recompense against them, then I could be sued. I'm open to liability. So what I needed and what most consultants need, especially in the type of trade we're in, was some extra protection in the form of insurance. So insurance by nature of it is always something that you're thinking, this is, if worst case scenario happens, I need something that is going to reduce my my financial liability so I don't have to come up and shell out of my pocket uh, exactly, you know, whatever the uh, damages comes out to be. So you basically pay an insurance premium and then by paying the insurance premium, whatever it's worked out to be with the company, then you do have some protection in that way that the insurance company is going to take over and they're going to pay and they'll actually uh, assume the financial burden. You're going to end up having to pay more later on if there is too many claims on that insurance policy, but uh, you may never use it and that's good. You may hope to never use it. That's the key, right? You hope that you can get insurance and you're protected but you never really have to use the insurance for claims value, but you have the insurance to prove that you're an actual going concern, an entity that a company can trust to provide professional services. You're playing a very dangerous game if you don't have insurance for the long term when you're dealing with compliance services because there's so much liability for compliance services if you do something wrong if you stare a client in a wrong way and then all of a sudden they get some sort of OSHA violation or EPA violation or a violation of whatever uh, entity you have in your country you want to make sure that you are prepared for that instance so I am US based as you guys know so I'm gonna give you the US side however I'm sure within different countries that listen to this podcast, you're going to have a little variation of what I'm saying, but the overall concept of getting insurance is still the same. You got to have some sort of protection just in case there is some liability that is held against you so that you yourself will be protected and you don't lose your business and end up getting in such financial jeopardy that your your uh, your viability for sustaining your life and your family is going to go down so that's the uh, the idea behind having the insurance so what insurance do you need and who do you go to we'll talk about that a little bit later but let's go through the concept first of the 
business side. So when you're thinking of the business side, especially if you're a solopreneur, that's the fancy name they give us right now for those people that are entrepreneurs and they don't have any employees, it's just themselves that is the whole business. You're all the departments. You are the cook, bottle washer, you're everything. You, you do your own marketing, you do everything, or you get someone to do it through a project. Uh, and yeah, we've, we've talked about that before, hiring out some things. I'll have to do a full episode on that though, now that I'm thinking about it. I haven't done a full episode on what to hire and what not, maybe I'll put that in the back burner. But for now, uh, you guys that are like me, that you are everything, you know, then you also have to include that you are your own uh, human resource manager and you're the own uh, business manager for what you're doing. I would go first and foremost to the client and see what their requirement is, her potential client at this point, to see what their requirement is for insurance. I deal a lot with cities and counties, so I uh, have to uh, have a higher level of insurance than some other people because of that. Most cities and most counties, uh, they want to make sure that if they're dealing with anyone, they want to make sure that that personal person is reputable, that they're legal, and that they will be able to absorb some liability themselves as to not give the city or the county extra liability if you follow the train of thought there. So I don't want to be a burden to the city and county if something happens and now they become open up to uh, some sort of libel suit because of my action. So therefore they already have this stuff in place. So you could go to, usually it's on their website and when you do, you wanna go to either purchasing, uh, they'll probably have the information you need or sometimes a large enough city or county will have their own department that is for procurement. And procurement is actually purchasing things and buying things. So you'll go to their website, sign up to be one of their preferred vendors, and you'll just go through whatever hoops it is. You have to do an application. You have to submit what's called the certificate of insurance so that you could prove to them that you have the insurance minimum of what they're looking for. And some of this is uh, either going to be on the website and large companies will have this too. It might be right on their website, but if it's not on their website, then you could call the procurement person or call the finance person and say, hey, uh, where do you have the insurance criteria for your, your vendors? Because that's really what, what you'll boil down to be. You're going to be the vendor. So if you are going to look for this stuff, I would go to the website and do a site index or if there's a search, search and have it uh, your search be a vendor list, vendor, maybe just the word vendor or um, the other thing that might be good to search is uh, you want to be an approved vendor. That's what it boils down to. So you want to do approved vendor, vendor list, or you might have a section that says doing business with the city, doing business with the county. That's probably the best link to click on. So click on that link and that's going to help you out. If you are trying to do federal work, 
then you're gonna have to get to a different tier of hoops to to go through and you're probably gonna end up having to get a federal ID uh, through the Duns and Bradstreet of their system and I believe that's dnb.com if not it might be just dunsandbradstreet.com and you'll have to sign up for them get your your number there and then you could be a proof vendor because or at least that's a criteria let's put it that way a criteria to become a proof vendor so let's go back to the insurance side so there's many different insurances we're going to first talk about uh, the first basics for your insurance so you're going to end up uh, finding something and it's going to tell you that in order for you to be a subcontractor for uh, whatever the entity is that you're going to first have to prove that you have your liability insurance for any of your workers so it'd be a workers compensation insurance I am exempt because uh, I'm in Florida, I don't have any workers, but I do have to apply for a state exemption. So I would go to Florida's uh, insurance, I guess it's a uh, Department of uh, Commerce, and I would have to each year sign up to make sure that I am exempt because I have no employees and I need that paperwork. Uh, there's a wallet card that comes with it as well. So I need that wallet card, I need the paperwork, and the paperwork's going to say that Sheldon Primus's company, and right now my company is Shellbro Safety LLC, so I have a workers' comp exemption for Shellbro Safety LLC, and uh, I also have another nonprofit. so we got the workers' comp uh, exemption there that shows that I am registered through the state and that I do not have any employees and therefore I am exempt. So you can go through that. Most of the coverage is going to be for people uh, with three or more employees will probably need to have the workers comp. If you have less than three, then uh, you're not required to have workers comp, then you get the exemption keep that card with you keep it handy you want to make sure that it's in uh, the JPEG or the PDF format and so you can send that away you're gonna be asked to email that you're gonna be asked to email that often actually so it's always good to have that information so you make sure that you could uh, keep up with it and you're gonna show everybody that you are uh, compliant in that way so that's the first thing so you want to make sure you get that so here's the second thing that you really want to make sure that you have uh, personally to keep your, your business up and up with the insurance side. So commercial general liability is the other thing that you're looking for and there's certain limits related to that. So when you do get that commercial liability, uh, you're going to have some limits and uh, the minimum limits for some things will be right around the half a million dollar mark and it's going to include bodily uh, bodily injury liability personal injury liability property damage liability so that's going to be right about 500,000 per occurrence so if any of those things happen that there's a bodily injury a personal injury or property damage each one of those occurrences is going to be a minimum of 500,000 
it really depends on the uh, the city, the county, the business of how much you need, but I'm just giving you an idea. Then there's also the broad coverage, and the broad coverage is going to uh, include things like um, uh, coverage for professional liability, since you would be an independent contractor, and they call the another one for that is error and emissions. So if you get an error and emissions, uh, meaning I could write a, um, a safety and health program for a client. And let's say I forgot to include something that is an OSHA, in my case, regulation. Now OSHA comes by, they look at the paperwork, they cite the client for $3,000 or sometimes even higher. Depends on what it is. Now they're going to say, hey, we paid you X amount of dollars. You missed this. We want you to recoup this money. And now I could either pay that out front or I could uh, rely on my insurance. Something that little, I'm going to end up having to pay myself as opposed to uh, making a claim on my insurance. But in some ways, if it's really high dollar, let's say it's a five-figure fine, uh, then I'm going to really want to say, all right, I don't want to show off that kind of money right now, so let's go ahead and let's make a claim, let the insurance uh, take care of that. So that's uh, one of the type of insurance that you have. And then there's some companies that will want to have insurance on your automobile besides your regular auto policy so you can go to whatever your auto insurance company is now what they're really trying to figure out is if you own vehicles that you're using uh, that is going to be the transport vehicles for you your equipment if you do have workers they want to make sure that that is going to have a certain amount of insurance uh, in case there's some sort of accident so uh, minimum limits is maybe about uh, 10,000, 20,000 on the personal PIP coverage or the bodily injury coverage. Or you do have uh, some for business auto policies, minimum limits of 300,000 per occurrence. Combined single limit for bodily injury liability or property damage liability. So that's also one that you have to look at for because I would, I remember one time I needed to, um, to upgrade my insurance. I was dealing with the city and the city changed their policy and procedure from the last time I dealt business, done business with them. So I had to go ahead, call my insurance company, raise my insurance for my auto, and then I had to finish up all the uh, paperwork that I needed just to get my quote submitted and even looked at prior to getting it approved. I had to get all that stuff in. So that's the, um, the other side of that insurance. They're going to ask for the certificate of insurance, the COI, and generally you're going to have to have them be the holder of that insurance. So you're going to call your insurance company and you're going to have them issue a certificate of insurance and list that company as being the insurance holder. And once they list that company as being the insurance holder, then uh, that will in turn make it where if something happens, then they could charge against, if you will, uh, that insurance. So that's the, uh, the other side of that. 
And so that's the, the business side. So you're going to need your uh, business insurance. You're probably going to need some sort of business auto policy. Or if you're just driving your car to and from, you're going to park, you're going to do your class, you're going to do your service, and then you're uh, leaving right after that. You're not actually going to be uh, bringing equipment or, or anything specific for, let's say, construction or manufacturing. Then you could probably get away with just your regular auto insurance liability. Uh, you just have to make sure it's at the limit that your client is looking for. So that's the, uh, the side over there. So just kind of thinking in my head uh, if there's anything else that uh, you probably would be required. Oh, you will also be required usually for insurance and this is kind of outside insurance but it's usually a criteria that you need for when you're sit submitting a bid or submitting a proposal that's going to be a company w-9 form which is the irs form uh, in the u.s that is specific for who's getting paid what's the employee ID number related to this business. So we know for sure we can track money coming from one business to the next. So when you have a W-9 submitted to purchasing or finance, they're gonna uh, always attach your employee identification number to whatever payment that they're paying you and they're going to track everything through that w-9 so they're going to ask you for that so make sure you have that w-9 get that in the u.s through the irs the other forms whoever whatever country you're in it's just an equivalent form that says here is my business and not only is here's my business but it's going to give you a unique trackable number that is specific to you so that everyone will be on the same page as to where money's going from one hand to the next so whatever that that system is but us again it is a w9 number so let's say a little bit about your health insurance so we talked about the business insurance we talked about the w9 uh, talked about auto insurance the other insurance that you're going to really need to get a hold of is your personal insurance for you and your family. So uh, there's many different ways to do this. What we've been used to when we're working for someone is you just go ahead and you sign up for the insurance policy that your employer's given you. So now you're set. Your HR person made the best deal for the company so that the company will have a very good uh, insurance policy that is the cheapest and the most comprehensive they could do and then you just have to pay a percentage usually it's it's not not a great percentage but it's enough that you're gonna have to flip the bill with your company in order for you to have insurance so now you're your own boss what do you do for insurance so there's several different options for this. I chose the option uh, that was available to me through the Affordable Health Care Act. And that option was so that I was able to get insurance for myself and my family. And generally that type of insurance is gonna be through the marketplace, whatever the, the actual marketplace is. And I could then look at the marketplace prices versus trying to do private insurance for myself and family. And then just do the math. 
which is better, not only price-wise, but what's better for services and everything else. Now, that's what I would uh, have to do, and it's each year. So when you're registering, let's say you do need to do the Affordable Health Care Act in the U.S., uh, that's going to be every year at September, I believe, eligibility opens up. It closes differently depending on administrations, but uh, you're probably going to have about two months in order for you to uh, enroll. And that's the open enrollment period, unless you have a, a qualified change in life. So if there's a qualified change in life, then that means that you could actually apply for that health care earlier than normal. So that could be a, a marriage. You just got married or you just got divorced or something big has happened in your life. A new child. Now you become eligible to get into that marketplace earlier than open enrollment period. So that's what you have to kind of look out for. Another good thing to try to look out for is private insurance policies. There's some uh, insurance, health insurance policies that are private that a group will work together and the group will say, this is our belief system. We believe in uh, this type of services and coverages and we don't believe in this other type of service and coverages. So we're gonna band together and we're going to pull our resources and we're going to talk to different insurance companies and try to get the best price for our group holders. And when you do that, then uh, those type of companies, maybe it's from your church, maybe it's from an association that you belong to, maybe it's something from a veteran society, something like that might have a group setting. They will leverage the group size in order to get uh, a cheaper rate for what, whatever company is going to be the, the provider of the health care. So you have to really look around for that. I would also suggest that you perk up whenever you hear something in the radio and you hear a TV or something about health insurance and getting yourself in there because now you're responsible for your own health care. So that means you're going to have to think out of the box as to how are you going to provide this health care. Those commercials actually do help. Uh, so that you know for sure that you are going to, you're going to give yourself more options as opposed to just one option for health care. And uh, then you're looking again, what you get there is your premium price and how you're going to pay it, uh, what's your current workload as far as clientele. And generally, if you can, you're going to want to pay for something in bulk because clientele is up and down. You guys may know that by now. So you're going to want to think about, can I pay an annual for my insurance here? Let me do an annual payment on my car insurance or an annual payment on my health insurance or whatever it is. So when you are uh, in the feast mode, then you can take care of all those things. And when you do get into the lean times, because that does happen, and then you don't have to worry about a monthly payment in that way. So that's a, a, a little bit of a, an advice there for you. Oh man, I should have saved that for the tip of the week. Now I gotta think of something else for the tip of the week. <laughs> but either way, I just really wanna really make sure that you get yourself more aware of uh, some of the other things that you used to get automatically with your job. Now you're going to have to do it yourself. So that means that you're going to have to be more creative in order for you to keep the same lifestyle as you had before. 
in to make sure that you're gonna have all the protections that you need. The just in case factor, right? The just in case, that's why we get insurance, it's just in case. And same thing with your business insurance, just in case. Yeah, so make sure you have that. Before we go into the tip of the week, just wanna let you know that there is a Safety FM Roadshow coming up. So when I say Safety FM Roadshow, this is going to be an E, H, and S specific type of show. And this one is gonna be called The Cultural Shift. So uh, the nonprofit that I have Neosti, which is the National Environmental Occupational Safety Training Inc., is partnering with Safety FM, where you're probably listening to me today. So the EHS Compliance Culture Shift is going to be one June 17th through the 21st in Houston, Texas. Then there's going to be another one in Denver, Colorado, September 23rd to the 27th. So you would go to neosti.org, N-E-O-S-T-I.org, backslash safety FM. And that's to register for any one of those two events. So the idea of these two events is first two days is going to be compliance-based, give you some good tips of how to be uh, in compliant with local uh, regulations, whether it be OSHA or EPA or anything. It's just the mindset of how do I keep my company in compliance? And then the second two days is going to be going through the human organization performance, HOP, HOP. So it's going to give you a good tip on uh, getting started with that. That's the culture side. You want to make sure that you start thinking, all right, let's go beyond compliance. I got a good grasp of compliance the first two days and I'm going to give you, that's going to be my two sessions. So I'm going to give you some really actionable, concrete things to think about for compliance-based safety. And then the human organization performance is going to be Dr. Jay Allen with Safety FM. And he's going to give you two days on just getting familiar with the human organism with HOP. Let's we'll say it that way because it's a lot easier. And then day two is going to give you the fundamentals of HOP. It's going to be a nice workshop setting. And then the fifth day of both events is going to be a nice open roundtable where you could bring your specific questions or you could uh, uh, just talk back and forth with other people who are going to bring in their questions and we can have an open discussion on safety culture, open discussion on safety compliance. We're going to give some tips, going to give specific actions, and we're going to answer specific questions. So if you're a corporate executive, EH&S professional, risk management, insurance companies, safety officers, uh, office managers, operations, frontline supervisors, those are all the people that should attend these events uh, so that you can uh, get the best of both worlds. Keep yourself in compliance as well as learn to shift into culture. That's why we're calling it the Safety FM Roadshow, the EHS Compliance Culture Shift. So that is coming up again, Houston, Texas, June 21st through the 27th. Registration is open now, so you only got a few weeks. Uh, if you're listening to this, the first broadcast uh, coming up in the first week of June. So that means you only got like a couple of weeks. So get going on this one. Go register. So go to neosti.org, N-E-O-S-T-I.org, 
backslash safety FM. So when we come back, gonna go through the tip of the week. We can all run into issues. Some issues we will discuss with friends and maybe family, but some items are so personal that we don't want to discuss with anyone and we just want to handle them ourselves. What issues am I talking about? I am talking about issues with credit. Imagine being able to work on your credit report from the comfort of your own home. No weird salesperson telling you to dispute everything. Just straightforward, no nonsense on what to do, step-by-step to work on your credit report. This is not just a credit education service, but it's also a community of other like-minded individuals having the same struggles. For more information, go to issueswithcredit.com. The Issues with Credit community will be with you every step of the way. Issueswithcredit.com, a 13th hour solution venture. All right, welcome back to the tip of the week. So this week, we're going to keep the same theme of your insurance. And for this tip, I'm going to just direct you to your your friends and your family. You could utilize your own network through your friends and your family. So just want you to think of who do you have, who do you know that is either their own boss, their own entrepreneur, or someone who may be in the healthcare industry, someone that may be in the insurance industry, and just leverage your own network there just to give you some good direction as to what is the best services you can find for not only uh, business insurance, professional liability, uh, error and emission insurance, healthcare insurance, dental insurance for children, however you need to structure that, you want to make sure that you leverage your own network, your own group, so that you could know the person that's going to either be your broker or send you to a broker, and that's going to give you a good feeling that you are going to be taken care of uh, because you have some sort of knowledge of them through your own network. It's very important if you use your own network for this as opposed to just listening to a a TV ad or something because you may not know that experience yet of how well that company services their people. But if you already have an established network or someone you know, someone you like, someone you trust, utilize that network and then go ahead and get some services there. I uh, had one person that I use for insurance and even her tagline said you know the best form or best way that she could uh, thank me is by referring me and I did I actually referred her company to several other people because she did a really good job with me and I was able to get my insurance it's like a just a cheap rate and I was happy with the quality anytime I asked for a certificate of insurance they'll just ask all right What's the company's name? Who's the contact? What's their email? We'll take care of it. We'll send you a copy so you can know that we took care of it. And usually it was done within the first 15 minutes of me calling. They would have my certificate, uh, the person who I needed to send it to, and I'll get a CC uh, copied just so I could see that they took care of it. So if you have some sort of person right now that's in your circle of influence, go ahead and leverage that so that you can get 
the best service possible. And with that, that is tip of the week. And I do want to encourage you, uh, whatever podcast service that you're listening to me on, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or iHeartRadio or any of that, uh, please click the sub- subscribe button. That's easy for me to say, right? Click the subscribe button, and that'd be greatly appreciated. If you have a little moment, maybe you could drop me a line, give me a rating, and uh, just tell me a little bit about what you're feeling about the show uh, so that I could uh, know how well it's being received right there. So if you get a chance, just go ahead and do that for me, and I very much appreciate it. And I will see you next week. This podcast is being sponsored by SafetyConsultantBlueprint.com. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. Here's the thing about new Cherry Vanilla Coke. Though cherries named first, all the flavors taste just as great. I mean, it could have just as easily been Vanilla Cherry Coke. Or it could have been Coke Cherry Vanilla. And since it's two amazing flavors of Coke, it might have been Coke Vanilla Cherry Coke or Cherry Vanilla Coke Coke. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in France, which would make it Le Coke de la Vanilla de la Cherry de la Creme. New Cherry Vanilla Coke, so good together. And New Cherry Vanilla Coke Zero Sugar, same great taste, zero sugar. Hey, this is Sheldon Primus with Safety Consultant with Sheldon Primus, and that's the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. I just want to invite you this September to an event called OSHA Compliance Help. This event is going to be co-hosted with my business partner, Kevin Yarbrough. Uh, Kevin Yarbrough has retired from OSHA as the Assistant Area Director of the Tampa office, and he has 26 years of service with OSHA. So in this event, what we're going to do is we're truly going to go over things that have uh, effectively been hard for people to understand about OSHA. So we'll talk about how to survive and thrive through an OSHA audit, OSHA record keeping, understanding the CFRs, how to decode compliance letters, and much, much more. This is going to be your time to truly talk to someone who's been in the business and someone who's been in OSHA together. So go to viewstub.com forward slash OSHA compliance help. Viewstub.com forward slash OSHA compliance help for more information and for event tickets.